I want to sit right here for a moment in the name of Jesus. If you want to sit down, attentive. The name of Jesus. <clears throat> How many have ever been in a trial and your mind was going crazy with you? Maybe your emotions? Maybe even recently. Like maybe today. Of course, the victorious ones never go through trials. Everything's always good for the victorious ones. Well, I'm sure glad all things work together for the... How about those trials that get so severe... Nothing seems real. And you have nothing left but the name of Jesus. And you just say, Jesus. 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 The more you say it, the more the Holy Spirit comes. Because, see, the Holy Spirit always comes to reveal Jesus. And when you mention his name, he starts making Jesus real to you. And there's no other name. You mentioned her name. Higher. With more power. With more of everything the essence of God is than Jesus. 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 Of course, being Jewish, I like to say Yeshua, too. And just if I just... Think about how much I love the fact that Jesus was of the tribe of Judah and is right now on the throne in heaven of the tribe of Judah, Yehuda. Cancer is a name. Addiction is a name. It's a cancer. Look, 
crazy mind. That's a name. Hello, crazy mind. I hear you. I know your name. And I know a higher name. I know a greater name. At the mention of his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess to the glory of God, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We, 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 we really don't say that name enough. I said we, 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 we really don't say the gospel remember the gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ the whole message it's all about a man who is God all power all dominion things great Small, visible, and unseen are subject to the name. Because above every name, name, Jesus, the name, there's salvation in the name. All your faith is built on the name. What he did on the cross in his name. Get it all. Aren't you glad you can say, with Jesus, it is finished. It is finished. Oh, it doesn't seem finished. And when you're in the heat of the battle, when you've been backed in the corner by enemies on all sides, and you find that the corner is a trap, it can't take you out because you've got the name. The name. The name. Above all names. I want to sit on the name of Jesus. I want to stand on the name of Jesus. Everything is in the name of Jesus. Let every word and deed be according to the righteous seed. The name of Jesus. 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 How come you're all starting to smile? How come you're starting to get lifted up? We haven't even preached the gospel of this Jesus. So think how much and how good the name is and what it's doing to you. What's the whole message going to be? And what does it benefit you? How many know we need some benefits? Do I hear anybody give me a hearty amen? Come on. 
Is there an amen in the house? Come on. Think of it. Benefits galore. Somebody questioned me one time about that. It seems like it's selfish to want things when you do something for God. Really? Hmm. Everything I do, everything I do in my life, I do as unto the Lord. If I can't, like, you know, you're tempted with that sin and you're going to get ready to do that sin, just say, okay, now I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus. Try it. And then just say, Jesus, to glorify you, I will do this. Guess what? You're probably going to change your mind really fast because you can't do it. No. You can't do it in this name. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come on you when you mention his name. And it's going to keep coming and keep coming. Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. No other name I know. No other name I know. fall in love when you say the name of Jesus the more you say it the more your faith will grow and everything will happen when there's faith in that name Watch it unfold. <laughs> it's not just about this life, but he loves this life and the life you want to live in this life. It's a gift. I said it's a gift. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. To you, you're not an addict, that's a lie. You're not a sinner, that's a lie. You're not a loser, that's a lie. You're not a failure, that's a lie. You don't know what to do, that's a lie. He knows what to do through you and he'll do it. Just keep 
saying his name, saying his name. Keep the name of Jesus in it. Keep the name of Jesus in it. Shout Jesus with me. Jesus! Lord Jesus! more you say the name of Jesus, the more you love the name of Jesus. And the more you love the name of Jesus, the more you'll want to keep the commandments of Jesus. I'm glad you can keep Jesus' commandments. He only gave us two, you know. Great commission, great commandment. Know God, make him known. That's what it's really all about. Aren't you glad you get to hear his voice? How many can hear your shepherd's voice? Somebody tell me who your shepherd is. Who's your shepherd? Jesus. So does that make you a sheep? Yes. Are there any sheeps here? must want us to be joyful because sheep really sound funny, don't they? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Boy, this is one deep revelation, isn't it? How we need to be reminded of the name of Jesus. All the years I've been in this, I've been in a lot of meetings in a lot of places. I mean a lot. And I've noticed it. A lot of places you go, conferences and everything. Churches. They're barely mentioned. And they'll say, now we're going to name, now we're, we're going to pray. And they pray and then they say, in his name. And that's, amen. That's it. Well, what is his name? You said in his name. What is his name? What is his name? going to baptize in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. What is that name? Father's Adonai. Lord. Son is Yeshua. Jesus. Right? Then Holy Spirit, anointing, Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, is the name representative on the earth 
of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, I don't, that's, let's see, let's have a doctrinal debate about that. <laughs> okay, you can, I, I'm not going to argue with anybody. I choose to believe that the name of God on earth is the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, there's other Hebrew names, I know them all, well, that's, that's, I can teach on them, at will. No brag. A lot of stuff in your spirit, too. We really are full of God. We are really incredible people. And becoming more incredible every single day. Every moment. And the more you say the name of Jesus, let all things be done in word and in deed in the name of Jesus, Paul taught us. Oh, Jesus. I think it's time for a new Jesus revolution. Anybody want to be a part of that? I do. How many want to be a part of that? I'm going to say something here. Uh, Let there be light. Everybody want to say, let there be light? Would an usher get that message? Let there be light. Usher? Let there be light. We're going to brighten up the day. We weren't cueing that. We was just having fun. But I'm thankful for this building. I'm thankful for you coming tonight. There's a conference in town tonight, a really great conference, the Beveres. I know them. I've ministered with them many years ago. And they've been doing an incredibly solid work. They go deep into the character and the nature of God. And in ho- they, they love the holy, holy lifestyle. And he walks in the fear of the Lord and talk, pre-teaches these things. And, and I'm really glad they're here in our city. And adding to the atmosphere and to the spiritual authority. Like seeding the atmosphere with more of heaven. Thank you, Father. We bless that. And there's conferences sometimes where our numbers drop. That's okay, too. It's all one church. We are the Church of Reading. Anybody here the Church of Reading? That's what we all are. We're the Church of Reading. And uh, we bless every good and perfect gift that God's giving to us right now. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask this young man right here that Marion's talking to. I'll get somebody else. Could you help me, brother, move this over here in front of you? That's better right there. That's good. Okay. I want you to open your Bible, if you would, with me uh, uh, to uh, Matthew 6. And uh, there's a verse there that many of us love, and we... we Adhere to it as a real standard of the first things in God because it's a first things word through the name of Jesus. And Jesus said it in Luke's, I mean in Matthew six thirty three. He said, Seek first, everybody say first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things 
shall be added unto you. Everybody know that verse? How many likes that verse? It's an amazing thing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a, there are many commands when you study the scripture, commands of, of Jesus, of things that he commanded us to do. He didn't suggest them, he commanded them. And <clears throat> we have a bit of a misunderstanding about the word command. We consider it as a, a rule, but it's not. It's not a rule. When Jesus commanded something, like, how many of you know Jesus commanded respect? He commanded respect. How did he do it? Just by his presence. Just by who he was. When he entered a city, people come running around, dogs barked, little children ran down the street and saw him and ran over and gathered around him. Crowds started gathering. He commanded respect. Um, certain people command attention by their appearance. Nothing commands attention more than a beautiful woman. She can just command your attention. It's a great gift women have from God. Some people feel that way about men. Today's world they could feel that way about both of them in a perverse way because it's such a crazy world we're in. By the way, it's no different now than it was in the Roman Empire. It's always been like this in every empire since the fall of man. Perversity has always been here. And there's more of it now than ever. How many know that's true? Well, there's more people. Never been this many people on the earth. There's more people on the earth right now than, 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 than the sum total of all the humanity that's lived on the earth in the whole history of the world. There's only, uh, they believe, around six, seven million, or billion, trillion. No, billion, billion. Billion. That's the history of mankind for the last 6,000 years, or the last six days. The week of man working on the earth before God decides to let them finish their work, which is a week of blood, sweat, and tears. You know what I'm talking about. When man works things out, it's always blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> but then now we're about to enter into the Shabbat of God, the rest. An ending day, an eternal day. It's called a millennium. It's called many things. It's an unending day. A day that never ends. And it's going to be the day that God says, okay, now you've done it your way, now we're going to do it my way. Rest. And no one will accomplish anything by blood, sweat, and tears. They'll accomplish it strictly, supernaturally. Because Almighty God will be on the planet and so will his people who have bodies that can never be destroyed, that never are tiring, and that can supernaturally do anything that the Lordship of Jesus Christ 
wants to do through them at any given moment. And what a world will be built. What a planet and transformation there will be. And see, we're not just near the end of the week. We've already passed through the six days of work, and people don't know it. They don't realize what time it is. I sing it all the time. Everybody know what I'm going to sing right now? And we really don't know what time it is. There's more than one Hebrew calendar. As a matter of fact, there's a few. And there's different debates and arguments among the Hebrew and Jewish community of to which one is right, and they're not in agreement. The most accurate one that I know of that speaks of the times that I believe in is the least popular. And it's the most effective and the most proven. But do you know that really the most effective things of God are the most unpopular? <laughs> They're the things that Jesus did when he walked the earth. You know, like suffering. Like, like despised and rejected among men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Where we hid, our, as it were, our faces from and said he is cursed of God. All of the things that he went through. He's a king and he wore a crown of thorns. Right? He has a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth and he was pierced with a long sword called a spear. He was already dead. Actually, he wasn't dead. He just commended himself to the Spirit of God. He just gave up the ghost. The spirit man he is left his body, and he commanded it. The cross didn't command it. The cross couldn't kill him. He wasn't a sinner. Wages of sin is death. He had no wage coming. But accepted on our behalf and paid the price. So we... Now, I'm going to change that phrase. So we would understand that only he could pay the price and we could not. He didn't just pay the price so we wouldn't have to because how many of you know we're still paying a price? Anybody paying a price to live for Jesus? Has it cost you anything? You ever been persecuted? Despised? Rejected? Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you ever been hated? Because of Jesus. Well, he did all that. I don't have to do that. No, you don't have to. You get to. There's great prize in it. Great wealth, great understanding. But I guarantee you, if you try to arrange it and do it yourself, it's no longer him doing it or allowing it or working it in your life. It becomes something that you may be doing because your whole attitude about yourself thinks maybe you need that because you're bad or because you want to pay the price. 
only price that's ever going to matter is what Jesus paid for. Do I hear an amen? amen? He really did it all. It is finished, he said. This is a powerful thing. The benefits of us believing in what he did is so huge and so magnanimous, so great, so incredible, so wonderful. It's 8.17. I have about 32 minutes to give you what I'm going to give you. I'm on the clock. My time card has been punched. I want to ask you some questions. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I'm going to start in the very first word. Seek. Seek. But seek first. Seek. How do we seek God? The word. What else? Prayer. Worship. Hmm? By listening. How do we start this seeking and fasting and everything? How do we start it? Desperate abandonment. Now let me now let me take it right in to what I opened with tonight. Desperate abandonment to who? Okay, that's where it starts. Right there. Seek first the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. kingdom. Break the word kingdom into two things, two words, which it is made up of two words. King and dominion. Seek first the king's domain. Who's the king? What's his name? Jesus. What's this kingdom of his? The hearts of men. That is really where it's really at right there. The things that are under the dominion of God are under the name of Jesus. And they're under the person of Jesus. They're under the lordship of Jesus. If Jesus isn't lord over something in your life, then he's not completely lord in your life. Because there's an area that's not under dominion. All of us here. Now, that can cause condemnation to anybody here that wants to get that way. It's not a condemnation thing. What it is, it's an enlightening thing of you wanting to get the name of Jesus over everything in your life and above and through and in and by. That Jesus himself becomes Lord in every area of your life. Okay? So somebody tell me what the biggest hindrance Self-life. The biggest hindrance to the lordship of Jesus in your life, self-life. Okay? What tantalizes and antagonizes the self? 
What's the number one thing that is the root of all evil? Pride of life? Is that what the scripture says? The what? The what? Say it loud, sister. Come on. Love of money. Love of money. The love of mammon. Mammon. is living for selfish reward. Getting your hands on it one way or another. It's filthy mammon. Mammon is the obtaining of resources through a spirit of greed, which is selfishly driven. Now, I just busted every one of us in the room. We all struggle with it. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? What things are you talking about? You've got to go back up and read what he said just before he said that. And he talked about natural provision. He also talked about riches and wealth. He talked about Solomon and all of his glory. He, walked, he talked about worrying over just food and drink and what you wear. He talked about all the things that's natural provision for the physical body. And it's amazing how, <clears throat> what a struggle we have over provision and how much we tax our lives or are taxing our lives with the cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. And to make it, to enhance it and make it worse, he comes with persecutions and afflictions. Sickness, disease, ridicule, aggressive evil statements against us. Satan does, the satanic forces. Working through the flesh or selfish-driven nature of both sinner and saint. Now, I hope to make you think about something you already know. All of these things are present, ever present in our daily lives to harass us. The best way to not allow it to do it is, here's the common answer, to get those things out of your life. So we set out to get those things out of our lives. Some of you get it. And what happens? They grow. Because when you turn your attention on getting them out of their lives, suddenly you have fallen into a bottomless pit of self and there's no end to it. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He doesn't want our attention being there. He wants it being to seek first the king and his domain. What he really rules over. So, are you born again? Yes. So does he rule over you? Yes. Did you believe in him? Yes. Do you remember saying, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord. Yeah. Jesus, be my Lord. How many get tired of being your own Lord? It'll wear you out quick. I'm telling you, it's awful. And so you bowed your knee to Jesus and bowed your heart 
How many still struggle with that self-man? That dead man. Right? Come on, say it. That dead man. That dead man. Where does the struggle come from? Well, you have two natures. You have an evil nature, a fallen nature, and you have a new nature in Christ. Then you're a schizophrenic. (laughs) If you still have that old nature, but you have a new nature, and the two constantly are at war with each other, and they are, the flesh wars against the spirit, spirit against the flesh, two are contrary to one another. It's really there. Is that nature really even real, or is it a memory? Is it a (laughs) is it an impacted family line habitual hanging on to you trying to make you constantly think my daddy was that way my grandpa was that way my grandma was that way and I'm that way too it's in the genes anybody know what I'm talking about everything in your genes that you hate that that you wish would have been put to death actually the Lord gave grace and empowerment into it and the negative thing that was produced through you, now it's flipped over and turned into a good thing if you know it. It's turned into a power zone for you. If we understand the fullness of redemption and the new creation man. The heart. I hear people teach on the heart as a believer. Our heart is exceedingly deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Anybody ever heard that preached? Have you read it? You looked it up? You know where it is? It's in Jeremiah. What is it, 17? Yeah. Jeremiah 17? Did you look at who he was talking, who was saying that? Jeremiah was saying it. Who was he talking about? He was talking about a whole nation that had turned from God and were in idolatry and rebellion to the place to where they hated God and it was hard to find true believers that believed in Yahweh any longer. What? That's what it sounds like today. It sounds like today. The memories. (laughs) Every bad memory you have that haunts you and comes to mess with you and tries to get you to think you are still that old man, that is a lying spirit, a lying ability that was in you back before you submitted to Jesus and submitted to the work of the cross, and you died and were resurrected as a new creation. They say, well, yeah, but it's still in your heart. No, it couldn't be in your heart because you got a brand new one when you were born again. He recreated your heart, but we have to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it comes forth forces from the spirit man. It pumps all of the stuff. That's what the heart is. It pumps everything that's in our spirit into our natural being. Into our mind, will, emotions, imaginations, intuitions. It pumps into us the prosperity of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God that is within us. Do I hear an amen? Amen. It wants to produce a flood coming out of your, through your heart to your soul and your mind, will, emotions, imaginations, intuitions, memories. To where it literally washes them all away and destroys them. A flood in your earth so that no flesh 
is saved. It's all put to death and washed away. Do I hear an amen? Now, this is the prosperity that we're coming into. This is the blessing. This is the, all these things that he has created and put on this earth. I'm amazed at how people will start looking for something wrong when you start talking about prosperity because they are brainwashed into believing like Gentiles, not Jews. <laughs> Gentile mentality will always tell you you have to be poor, broke to be humble. And that to desire anything at all except the clothes on your back and the food in your stomach. That's all Jesus wanted. That's all we want. That is all ascetic thinking of the dark ages. And it was people trying to win their own salvation and glory by fasting and prayer. By silence. By the way, I fast and pray. I don't do it to win anything. I do it to tell my flesh. You will be starved until you completely submit to the glory. And no longer, no, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to keep fasting and praying until you are washed away in a flood of glory coming through my new creation heart and flooding my whole being. Anybody want a flood? Anybody want to be in the flood where the glory of God fills the earth? As the waters cover the seas. Anybody want to be in flood like what happened in the days of Noah? So shall all it be. In the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And the flood came and took them. I'm screaming. Sorry. I'm wanting to teach. Came and took them all away. Very nice. Came and took them all away. Took them who? I'm talking about a flood inside of you. Can you imagine the wealth that that flood uncovered? Look at human history and what was established and what was built concerning gold, silver, precious stones, jewelry, everything else. The nations where the flood washed it all away to where the gold was easy to find and they became do you realize right now I don't think it's healthy I have this tendency to want to argue and debate with this carnal mind that I hear out there that I've heard ever since I've been in the ministry and it really doesn't do any good to argue with it because it's already wrong and defeated We have been taught, I say the Gentile church, has been taught to think on riches and wealth and gold and money and bank accounts and having abundance. And Listen. That it's wrong. That nobody can control it. If you talk about it a little bit, just a little bit, it's going to start coming like a flood. Like talking about a beautiful woman and everything about her that's so beautiful. And the next thing you know, you're in trouble. Well, I can talk about beautiful all day long, about anything in creation and never sin. Because the beauty of a person doesn't have anything to do 
with me knowing or expressing anything that is their private life. Even their thoughts. There's things that's off grounds. Out of bounds. There's not pure and just and lovely and honest enough good people. I'm not afraid to talk about wealth. You know why? Because I'm rich. If I were poor, it would make me feel bad to talk about it. I'm so glad that I'm so rich. I'm so glad that my dad owns the whole planet. And that his son Jesus purchased it back and redeemed it with his blood and now is sanctified everything unto his holy purpose and all things are pure to him that is pure but to him that's defiled even that which is pure is defiled in his eyes our belief system will keep us poor and it will fight others that already begin to believe and know. I'm rich. Do you realize in your earth right now there are veins of gold running all through it? Let me say it a better way. The mother loads in you. Not nuggets. Veins. Riches. All his treasures are in us, saints. Is not all of his treasures in us, in the church? Isn't it all found in the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ? I love talking about money. The more people resist me on it, the more I preach it. (laughs) You know why? The more people are resisting the more I want them to be brought to the place to where they can receive what is really being said by Jesus. Okay, let's go back to Deuteronomy, the laws given by Moses. You go to Deuteronomy, you look up all the things in the law, and you find out how Moses came and brought the law. And what he always did when he taught the law is he, thank you, when when Moses taught the law, he taught the spirit of the law which is love. The Ten Commandments are all love. How many of you know the Ten Commandments are all love? They're actually called by the sages and the lovers of God in, in, in the Hebrew nation of the earth. And the most expressive sages that were like prophets, they didn't call the They didn't call it the Ten Commandments. They called it the Ten Pearls of Respect because it shows how to respect God and how to respect people. And Jesus said all of these commandments, these Ten Commandments, are built upon these two, that you hear, O Israel, have a relationship with God. You hear, like you do in a marriage, you hear when you meet somebody, you hear... You listen and hear, O Israel, you prince and princess, for the Lord your God is one, one with you. 
It's not a theological statement that God is one and not a trinity. Because Hebrews didn't have trinity mentality. It wasn't around at all. Didn't come in until the Gentiles tried to explain the one true God. And they couldn't accept Jesus as a man, a being God. They were blinded in part. And their branches broken off, some of them, not all of them. And that was so it could go to the Gentiles, the Gentile nations of the earth. But he saved a remnant, a remnant believed. How many of you know a remnant believed? That's how we had 12 apostles and the 70. And that's how we had the 120 and that's how we had the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost and the 5,000 the next crusade they had and the growth in the numbers spreading. And that's how it went all through the Gentile world of that day. And how the gospel spread like fire, the good news of Jesus. Because it taught that we are now heirs of God. How many remember the mandate that was given? I'm a, I'm a t- right now, I want everybody here to know I believe in dominion theology. And I don't care who doesn't. I really don't. You know why? Because Jesus told Adam and Eve to take dominion and rule over the earth. Multiply, replenish it. Subdue it and fill the earth. He hasn't changed his mind a bit. Now it's through the gospel of the kingdom. Do I hear an amen? Yeah. Well, are you a kingdom now? Well, I'm definitely not a kingdom later. <laughs> the kingdom is in me. I have the kingdom of God within me. You have the kingdom of God within you. Anybody here have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God doesn't come with natural observation, meaning, if you look it up in the Aramaic and Greek, it doesn't mean you can look around and see the kingdom of God being built with your eyes all around you. No, you can see the kingdom of God being built in the lives of people who now live by love through faith and faith through love. And they operate completely everywhere they go. And if they don't and they fall short, they're so quick to be convinced in their heart, aggrieved because it's foreign to us to operate in the flesh and it makes us feel bad. It's grievous. It quenches the fire and we go, what happened? I was so on fire. Oh, I don't like this. I'm not made for this. I'm not created for this. I used to be. I was at home with it. Man, now it's a yuck in my spirit. Because you've been filled with wealth, treasure, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You've been filled with love, joy, peace. You're abiding in the vine. The vine is abiding in you. He has come into you. He's the vine in you and everything coming out of you the branches just springing fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness. 
All those things. All nine of them. Now every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of Light has been imparted into your spirit. At the new birth, it's in there, in Holy Ghost, in Jesus who came and stepped inside of you. Now you're walking around with heaven inside of you, God inside of you who created heaven, and a world all around you doesn't know anything about it and is looking for something that you have. And you are rich with great abundance. I have so much I want to share with you. I'm going to stay on this for quite a while. The Lord spoke to me and told me he wanted me to become pragmatic about the gospel and about the ways of God. I asked my wife, does pragmatic mean this? She said, well, yeah. She said, well, let's see. Here it is. Somebody that's pragmatic takes a theory and turns it into a practical application and creates resources to meet the needs of the situation and produce something better than poverty, sickness, and death. In the Law of Moses, when he teaches the Ten Commandments, he brings explanation to it after he does. And the Ten Commandments are so beautiful. We've got to get them back in the courthouses. They've got to be in Washington, D.C. everywhere. The Ten Commandments are awesome because... The law of Moses is for sinners because they have no conscience without it. Our Constitution has no power without it. It's the rule of law. It's the law of Moses. And in Jesus coming into the lives of believers and taking our Constitution of the kingdom, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and applying it to the Constitution of <laughs> the constitution of, that Jesus brought us in the kingdom in Matthew that I just read from in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. He's addressing every need of human beings spiritually, na- naturally, physically, emotionally, relationally, and financially. Now, We think the whole financial process should be down the line, last that we talk about. Spiritual things are more important than practical things. That is dualism. Dualism says that things that are natural, gold, silver, precious stones, money, power, and all that stuff, all those things are evil. We put them out of our life, and we stay spiritual. We need spiritual power. Spiritual power for what? What's it for? Do you have dominion on the earth if you have no money? No, you don't. You don't have property and land. You don't have true wealth. You don't have true spiritual dominion by just spiritual power. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm sorry, I came back so quick at you on that. Because I'm not, I don't want to, I'm, the thing I don't want to do is have debates. I want to show you something that God has shown me that's so beautiful. 
I was dirt poor when I met Jesus. I was a drug addict. I've had millions of dollars come through my hands to go into the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My family's always lived. We've never been extravagant. Oh, I've taken them out for extravagant times, extravagant vacations, extravagant for us. You know, stay in really nice hotels, two or three weeks, camping out, being able to buy what food we need for it, all the everything, blessed, all the expenses paid for, going and coming. I've been able to do some things for my family. I've been able to do some things in the kingdom. Like go to Russia when the wall fell and evangelize and see thousands of young people come to the Lord and baptize them in the Olympic pool. I've been able to go to Africa and do things like that. I've been able to be, and, and the Lord gave me the money to finance it. Gave it to put it in my pocket, my bank account. I made sure very little of it got in my pocket. I only took what I needed to make sure my family was taken care of. And the rest of it went to the kingdom. Because that's why I'm here. That's why I live. And you know what the Lord told me? My time's about up. You know what he told me? He told me if I'll preach this, I bring it up, I teach on this. See, it, when I do this, people start thinking, oh, he's going to take an offering. Well, of course I am. <laughs> how blessed you are to be able to be here for it and be a part of it. And how blessed you are if you're generous and, and, and not concerned and fearful. And how blessed you are if you tithe to this ministry. How blessed you are if you tithe to whatever ministry you belong to. How blessed you are if the Holy Spirit tells you you can take your tithe and according to the word, go spend it on your family for a special, special time at a feast. Ooh, I just shouldn't have said that because I don't know where the verse is at, but I've read it many times and all the other scriptures. Do you know the tithe is not a legalistic thing? If it is, it's still under the law. Please hear this. If you don't tithe, are you cursed with a curse? Because if you are, you're under the law. You're under the law in one area where you keep the law because you're afraid of the curse. I'm going to say, I'm going to sum this up here tonight. In your financial advancement, how many here want more money, more property, more responsibilities? Have to get this guy to help us know how to take care of it because he's smart. There's other people really smart in money management and business dealing. And you're getting wiser all the time because new stewardships are coming to you. They are. They're coming to you. I pointed at your wife because your wife prays so much through for you, brother. I mean, it takes... Look at me. Hey, hey, brother, it takes one to know one. And God really loves us because the wives he's given us are amazing. We are the most blessed men. How does he do that? Give good women to people like us. Oh, we're glorious. That's how he sees us who we really are. But I mean, we're so different than them. If you tie, 
because you're afraid of the curse. Your tithe will never get you the blessing God wanted to get to you through it. I don't tithe because you can't tithe because you're afraid you'll be cursed if you don't. Because then when you tithe, you gave in fear. If you give your offerings loosely, okay, it's offering time. I'm going to write a check here and throw it in there. No, no, no. Add faith to it. Get your faith going on that. You're writing it and you're listening to your heart and to faith in you, not fear, not checks and balances, not limitations, not cutting you off, but the voice of the Lord and your own conscience. Listen to the generosity that he's put inside of you to cause you to prosper. Just listen to your own conscience. Listen to your own conscience. First of all, give yourself to the Lord and give as you desire in your own heart. Do you listen to the desire of your heart? The Lord told me that he's going to bring the mantle of generosity that Stephen brought here and laid hands on people ahead. He's going to bring it into manifestation. And he said, the more generous people are, this is what Stephen taught, the more generous you are, the more you're opening up your good treasure inside for that generosity to come out and go out of you like a flood and touch everything in creation and put a command on them. You will command respect from creation and creation will want to give back to you. It will come to you. Would you like the words of Jesus? Here's the words of Jesus. Out of a good treasure, of a good man's heart, out of, you're going to bring it forth. You're going to bring it forth through actions and deeds, kindness, generosity, and commitment. You're going to get, use your faith in it, so you're going to get it speaking. By the way, your faith works best if you say something to your mouth. Say something to your mouth. That's not paper and ink. That's the reward for your time and labor in life. It's your life. How many of you know your money represents your life? It does. You get paid for it. How many here have jobs? Anybody on a paycheck? You get paid for your time, don't you? Yeah, you do. You don't get paid enough. You're, you're not near enough. Now, God's going to make sure you get paid enough. If you believe in God, you'll punch in on his time. The mantle of generosity is going to bring forth financial glory. It's going to bring forth abundance. Here's why. God is so grieved at his people being in debt. He's grieved at their worry and fear, their debates and arguments. He is not pleased with it. He's, he's, and it's not that he's not pleased with you. He's not pleased with that spirit of this age and this world that makes you live in greed. Fear of lack. Greed always causes a fear of lack. Abundance is never a 
about me being able to go out and live in avarice and buy whatever I want and get whatever I want whenever I want to. I know not one, I know some rich people. I know some rich preachers. I know some very wealthy people. None of them go out and buy what they want unless they're on a spree of spending money on their family or something like that. They don't do it. They are smart. They calculate the joy it will bring. They calculate. They know before they start giving there's more coming. They know that in their giving, people are going to reward them back with love. And they need that love to live. And they want to make them happy. And they want to see them happy. And their joy is in doing I'm talking about people that really know how to handle wealth. Wealth is to bring what heaven brings. Anybody here happy when you get to heaven that you're going to have your greatest, most beautiful desires are going to be put before you. And it will be everywhere. How many are glad heaven is beyond anything you can even imagine? Now me, I've never had a big desire for a mansion. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we never grow old. I guess if I wanted one in heaven, I could ask God and I'd probably get it. I always thought about me having a mansion, my wife having a mansion, my children having a mansion, my friends all have in mansions. Everybody has their mansion. They all live alone in their mansion. That's not what it's about. This whole thing, there's such poverty. There's people in this room. You're strangled for lack. You fight with lack. You worry. How are we going to take care of our family? How are we going to raise our children? How are we going to how are we going to do all this? First thing Jesus addressed in the law of Moses. Go read it, Deuteronomy 28. If you hearken unto my words, these words that I've just shared with you, these commandments, if you hearken unto them and obey them, these blessings shall come upon you. And he starts talking about provision of First thing under the blessings of the law is great wealth, health, prosperity, protection. All the things that we as human beings, frail, weak human beings, need for us to live in a joyful way and have wonderful families and be able to help other people. You can't help anybody if you're poor. Oh, I can give them a gift. Yeah, that's spiritual. I said, when they take their gift and go home, what are they going to be driving home in? What kind of clothes did they have to wear? Where do they shop? Target? I don't shop at Target anymore. Things they support, I won't. I won't put my money in their pocket. This thing of God's provision for you is so holy, you guys. 
And there is such a poverty spirit in the church. There are false prophets that will accuse true prophets of being false prophets. If they teach the people of God how to give and walk with them and provide for others who are doing it. What Jesus bought back with his blood. What Adam lost in the fall, Jesus bought back. I have a book that I've written with the help of another man on all the Old Testament scriptures and then the New Testament scriptures of the economic systems of God under the Old Testament and the New Testament and what happened to every place in history, every single movement, every single believer, every single preacher that lived by these economic standards in the Bible. And you know, when people have their minds made up, the gainsayers of these things, it don't matter what you say. They're not even hearing you. All they hear is the nagging voice of criticism. It's really sad. It's a poverty spirit. It's got them. It's got them. It's choking them. I hate what it does to them. Good people, you choke them. A fear to want to really have such abundance that you can write checks out to a ministry to save people from sex slavery or feed the poor or create a ministry right here in the back corner of the building over there that feeds the poor all around the area and preaches the gospel to them. And when they come in, they sign up things and we take them to a class and preach the gospel and heal the sick, prophesy over them, get them healed. It takes money. It takes finances. How he wants you to prosper and be secure and not be fearful of losing everything. So what's the first thing Jesus said when he stood up and preached the gospel the very first time in the book of Luke? The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. To do what? His first message. Preach good news to the poor. What would good news be to a poor person? How about this? You don't have to be poor anymore. This is his first message. First things Moses described. The first things Jesus described. First thing the apostles talked about in all of their, how many believe in your identity in Christ? Do you know how much of your identity in Christ addresses natural provision? Some of the very first things it addresses. Go back and look at it. 
It's amazing. The whole entire Bible is there to give back the earth to the sons of men through our Lord Jesus Christ. To take dominion. Wall Street is going to have to bring it to our feet, guys. Except those in Wall Street that are taking it away from Wall Street for the kingdom's sake. Every one of you here, I'm going to finish right now. Every one of you here, every single one of you, should be completely out of debt. Completely out of debt. You shouldn't have to pay the bank for your car. Anybody want that? Anybody here own homes? If I asked you who owned homes, who just raise your hands, and I would ask this. Are you still making payments on it? I mean, because we know when you buy through the bank, you don't really own the house. They own the house. Right? He doesn't want them to own the property. He doesn't want them to own anything. He wants us to be completely out of debt and be so prosperous that every place we turn, God causes us to be overwhelmed with blessings from heaven. Anybody here believe this? It is the gospel of the kingdom. Just as important as healing. He wishes above all things that we prosper. Why do you say prosper first? Because if you don't prosper, you will have health problems. Because it causes stress, tension, worry, fear, doubt. It opens the doors to destroy people's mental, psychological, emotional turns their mind from focusing on Jesus to trying to figure out how to get rich. And that's worse. I decree and declare that that spirit will be broken so entirely off of the people that he sends here as I continue to teach this. Listen, the faith of the Son of God is in you. And you can take hold of everything he has promised you. And you just sit down and talk to him, Lord, I want to get out of debt. I want to do that. But while I'm doing that, I want to start right now by knowing you're going to do it. And I'm going to open my heart to you. I'm going to, I'm going to expand. What if you just increased your giving $20 a week? you think God could do something about you? How many believe your finances will increase if you do that? Well, I'll try it for two or three weeks. If it doesn't work and I get immediate breakthrough, I'm, no, no, no. Listen, listen. Keep sowing seed. Increase, increase what you're doing. Start increasing in little amounts, in a lot of little places. Every time you come here, try to put about $10 in your pocket in $1 bills. 
and just walk up and say, I'm putting a little money blessing on you. Give them a holy handshake. Pentecostal handshake. Pentecostal. That's what I meant. Pentecostal handshake. Just give them a Pentecostal handshake. It's just a dollar. Well, thank you. That's cool. Well, that seems silly. It is, but watch and see how fun it is. And you'll never miss it. Do it every week. You'll never miss it. It's 40 a month, 30 a month. You'll never miss it. You'll never miss it. You'll need not even know that you did it, except you keep track of it and say, I'm claiming this, what Jesus said. I'm claiming what the Word says. I'm standing on the promises. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, add it up over a year. It could add up to $365. If you did it every day, just one time. Think about it. Practice some fun things with money. Think about what you're going to do with it. Name your seed. This is Bible college for my, my daughter. Father, I'm going to sow seed every day and see it come out. Do you think he'll do it? Do you have faith in God? According to your faith, so be it. Could he turn that into 30,000 college tuition for a career in part of society? that needs godly people in it. Maybe send it to ORU or something like that. Some really good school. What is your dreams? Do any of you spend a few dollars every day? Chewing gum, soda pop, hamburger, Starbucks, four bucks, five bucks, six bucks now. What is it? No bucks for me. I'm not, I don't trade with them people. They're promoting things that I'm not going to help them finance. That's just me. People can do what they want. So think about it. What if you started doing this kind of simple little thing? Sit and dream up some other ways. That would be really fun. I, I, I said this recently. I'll say it again. Find young people and pay them to come to church and hear the gospel. And bring them on a certain night when you know it's going to be tuned to reach them to a certain ministry. And, yeah, go get $50 and take $5 bills. I'll give you $5. No, five, not maybe ten. Okay, here's ten bucks. You have to promise you, me you're coming. Keep your word. You'll do it, won't you? Yeah. I've, I've done this with you guys. It works. It works. For kids, you know you can bribe your kids, and they'll enjoy Sunday school more, and they'll be excited about coming and getting it before Sunday school. 
And then you can teach them how to tithe an offering. They'll sow it in the, start sowing at this little young age. And the next thing you know, they're blessed everywhere to turn. And they know why, because they gave to God. And God's faithful. Start having some fun with your money. This is supposed to be for the joy and the righteousness and the peace that's in the Holy Spirit. I know the people in this group, the ones that are faithful. I know, I've never asked you, but I, I know where you're at financially pretty well, most of you. You know, people leak and they give away secrets and tell you things. We all do it. We call it relationship. I'm saddened when I think of what you deserve and what God wants to give you and you don't, you're not getting it yet and the struggles you go through and the worry and the concern. This should not be. This is not my Lord Jesus. It's not why he hung on the cross. Not one person here has heard me say he wants to make all of us rich. You're already rich. Come on, somebody say it to me. Are you rich? Is your daddy rich? I'm not trying to get you to thinking in a greedy way. <laughs> the thing I want you to do is accept what he's already done for you and start enjoying the lifestyle spirit of generosity will come upon you. And you will really prosper. And it's simple. Really simple. The Apostle Paul writes his epistles. Somewhere in every one of his epistles he addresses these things. It's awesome. How everywhere he went, all his missionary journeys, he constantly collected offerings. Every place he went in, Every time he preached, he collected offerings. Then he took it to wherever there was great trouble, Jerusalem or Macedonia or wherever, what city was having financial trouble and the saints were struggling. And he went there and distributed it to them. He bought provision. It was distributed through the elders of Jerusalem. And they cared for other places. And they all got to where, everywhere they went, they did offerings and were supporting each other. And they went into generosity. The world saw it. They said, wow, these people got some wealthy people that were being saved came and started putting some of their wealth into the kingdom. That's the early church. That's the beginning. That's how it started. Thank you, Father. I've been around false prophets that preached to get people to give them their money and lived extravagant, wasteful lifestyles. There's both sides. To those that love Jesus, they're going to find a way to enter into his abundance, and they're going to share it and advance the kingdom of God. Let's all stand on our feet. Father God, in Jesus' name, I praise you for it. Brother, would you come for a minute?
Would you come pray over this message and over the people up here in front for me, please? And uh, I'll be right back. If you stick around a few minutes, I've got a couple of words I'm going to bring. Personal ministry. our faith to increase, uh, bring an increase to that seed and to water that seed in the name of Jesus. And I just pray for a blessing over this offering tonight, Lord, and that you will uh, water this seed and that the seed is sown in the good soil, in the good ground, and that you'll breathe on it, Lord. And we uh, we give you our faith. We thank you as we sow into this ministry, Lord, that you do give it back to us. You do increase us. As farmers plant seed, whatever crop they're planting, they're expecting a harvest. And I just pray, Father, that you stir your people's hearts up tonight to expect, to accept, ex, uh, expect a harvest, expect a return. And there's nothing wrong with that. In Jesus' name, So we just bless this evening. We bless the word that came forth. We bless it in the name of Jesus. And we just give thanks, Lord. We thank you. You gave your only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would never perish but would have everlasting life. And you gave and you expected a return on that giving. You expected people to get born again. You expected people to get saved. You expected people to get to receive your son. So, Lord, as we sow, we expect, we expect a return. We sow, first of all, out of the goodness of our hearts. That's in obedience, but there is a return on our giving, and we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Anybody receive what's happening tonight? Get get excited. Just get ready. We're going to have major breakthroughs coming at this time. It's not just here. This is something that God is doing all over the nation. The great abundance that's about to break forth to those who love to give and give to live. It's so awesome. Anybody live to give? Everybody, God so loved that he what? That's what love does. Father, thank you now for this um, offering that is going to be taken up and brought and presented to you, Jesus, as our high priest, that you are faithful and that you are such a God of abundance. We thank you that you meet every need of every person here. I'm asking you, Father, for those that have and those that have not, to bless them and give them the joy of knowing that you are right now working on their behalf and that no good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Thank you that we are your rich children. We are rich in all things, as the Apostle Paul said. 
because we have you inside of us. And we praise you for it.